Blog Talk Radio. myself james is supposed to be calling in for those of you who are listening live this is the haitian free thinkers radio show haitian free thinkers is a group that uh, was made up to support haitian people who are not religious or who are atheists in the community um you can call in at seven six five seven three eight three one six one nine that's six five seven three eight three one six one nine tonight i'll be talking about islam um not it's going to be educational, but it's going to be from my perspective as far as my experience with Muslims. That's my thing. James is supposed to be calling in a little bit uh, later on tonight. But uh, you got any experience with uh, Islam? Because I know, you, I, if I remember correctly, you came from the uh, Hebrew Israelite camp, correct? Correct. Um, I have a little bit of experience with the, um, the Muslim religion um, or the Islam religion. I um I think back in two thousand six or two thousand seven I came across a family um who were Muslim and um I spent a few months with them and I started to look into the religion. I almost converted into the religion but I never really went all the way. Um it, it's an interesting religion. Um I don't really know much about it. I just did some light research. 
Okay, so at the time you were, you were, uh, what were you, you were a Hebrew Israelite at the time? I was a Christian. I was a Christian. Okay. Yeah, I was a Christian. I was a Christian, but I didn't feel like, you know, being a Christian was where it was at, and I was looking for something else. And at the time, um, the, the the Muslim religion, it seems, it, it seems to appeal to me, but... I just could never fully, I don't know, I just, I, I never converted all the way. I, I don't know why. Okay, so what what is it about the Christian religion that was not fulfilling to you? Um, At the time, I mean, at the time I was, I think, 17, 16, 17, I guess I was, I felt empty. I felt like, you know, the religion I grew up in, it wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't, I don't know, it didn't, do it for me, you know, like it just it wasn't enough. I thought there was something else that was missing. Okay, and uh, the relative you said it was a relative of yours that was Muslim. It was um the son of a relative or a family friend. Her son was Muslim and his wife was Muslim, and they had a few children that I used to babysit. So I'd go over there often and. I would interact with them, and I guess I saw the nice side of Islam because I've always heard how it's a horrible religion. And, you know, interacting with them, I realized, I guess, there is a good side to Islam, and maybe that is what is meant for me, but I just never fully converted. So what what kept you from converting exactly? Do you remember I think at the time, because um, I, I, I know the the Muslims, they view Jesus as a prophet, but not as the son of God. Um, I think for me, it was more so, I think, fear of hell, because in Christianity, we're taught that you, you can only get to, to the Father by going through the Son. And I felt like if I became a Muslim, I would have to say that Christ is not the only way, and that would send me to hell. So that was the main thing that stopped me from converting. And did you convey this fear to the uh, people? Oh, no. Um, The only one who knew about my plans of converting was my sister. I didn't speak to anyone else about it. Okay. Um, All right. So hmm. were these people Haitian, the friend? The family friend. The son was Haitian. His wife was American. Do you know how they become became Muslim? Um, I know the son. His mother grew up in a Christian church. Um, she came from a Christian background. He grew up in a Christian church, but he went to prison. And I guess while he was in prison for nine years, he studied the Bible and the um, the um, the Muslims' holy book, and he felt like. Muhammad and Allah was more real than God and Jesus, and he chose the the Muslim faith. Okay, so there's a chance that had he not gone to jail, he probably would have still been Christian, right? He would have still been Christian. I believe that wholeheartedly, yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting because uh, my, my, my favorite hero, my historical hero, Malcolm X, um, he became a Muslim while he was in jail as well. So I know there's a lot of, um, I guess, 
people going to churches, I mean, that go to jails or prisons that try to convert people. And I only hear about people becoming Christians or Muslims. I don't know if any other groups are going out there trying to recruit these people. But, um, uh, yeah, so you have people choosing uh, Islam for whatever reason. I mean, obviously, the family friend would have to tell me what, what appealed uh, to them. Uh, but you do know that we have a Haitian um, a Haitian population, if you will, a Haitian Muslim population in Haiti, and, and there's a presence on Facebook. I communicate with some of the uh, members of the Haitian Islamic Dawah, and uh, hopefully if they're listening, uh, they can call in as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I first came to contact with Islam when I was in middle school, uh, I think it was 1993. I met a, <clears throat> excuse me, a young man. His name was Luigi, and he was Muslim. And I didn't know what that was because I thought that as a Haitian person, you had two options: either you were a Christian, or you were part of that 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 evil religion which shall not be spoken of. But um, <laughs> so when he told me he was uh, a Muslim, I was like, "What is that?" Then he started telling me about it. And I only found out because it was during the time of Easter, and my teacher was an English teacher. Her name is was Miss Schreier. I'll never forget her. And she was passing out Easter eggs, Easter chocolate eggs to um, us Christian students. And I'll never forget her disposition. I I learned about Jews during middle school. Uh, I saw Malcolm X during middle school. I saw Schindler's List during middle school. So that was a lot of exposure to different things. But um, Luigi was my first um, Muslim. He was Haitian. But he was a special type of uh, Muslim. He was uh, more nation of Islam and probably a five percenter. Have you made, have, do you know what those are? Um, I've heard of them, but I don't really know what they are. Okay, so the Nation of Islam is the branch of Islam that Malcolm X was once part of once he came out of jail. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie. No, I haven't. Okay, no problem. So um, there's a there's a branch of Islam that is pretty much mostly for black people called the Nation of Islam, and they were popular in the... 50s and 60s, they're still um, alive now. So that's what uh, Malcolm X became after he came out of, of prison. And uh, there was a breakup in the ranks of the Nation of Islam. This guy named, named Clarence 13X, I believe his last name is 13X. He separated from the Nation of Islam, and he kind of took some of the Nation of Islam philosophy to the streets and he founded what is called the 5% Nation of Islam. And I can get into that, but uh, basically it's, it became like a sub-culture um, of the Nation of Islam, for lack of better terms. And so when I was in middle school, um, hip-hop was something that I was discovering, and it seemed like all the artists were Muslim um, of of one of one version or another. So 
So I started to think that, well, this this might be something that I need to get into because, you know, I was into like I was discovering, you know, black power men, and I was discovering some positive things about Haiti, um, and so I thought that might be something I'd look into. So I I really was considering it, but you know, I was in middle school and converting as a as a middle schooler was not really an option in my mom's house. So that was that was my introduction to Islam. Hello? I'm here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's how I got started. Um, years later, I met up with Luigi for like a moment, and Luigi became a Christian again. He was working at this uh, place called PRC. I don't know if you know PRC, the phone place. No. Okay. So um, PR, uh, PRC is a place that uh, houses a lot of different accounts for people that do um, customer service on the phone, um, either inbound or outbound. Um, anyway, so um, I met up with, with uh, Luigi, and he became uh, Christian. Uh, he went back to Catholicism, and I never had a chance to, to really get into, like, what happened to him, but um, that's the last I saw him. This is This has to be, like, Gosh, like 18 years ago now. Um, it's been a long time. So, yeah, so that was my first introduction to to Islam. So when I was looking into it, you know, I didn't have any Wikipedia. I didn't have Internet, obviously. So this was kind of like word of mouth. And But I found out that um, some people were saying that Islam was spread by violence. And I was not trying to hear that. Um, so I decided I had to hold up on my on my conversion and, uh, you know, look into it more because I didn't want to join something and not really understand what I was getting myself into. James, are you on? Yes, sir, I am. How you doing tonight? Good, good. Uh, we have Alicia on the line, so uh, thank you for calling in. All right, no problem. How y'all doing? Good, and you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for asking. Yep, yep. So uh, I was uh, letting Alicia know about my introduction to Islam, which basically started in middle school when a young man by the name of Luigi um, told me about Islam. So that's that's where we're at right now. And so basically, um, you know, I didn't know if it was true or not whether uh, Islam was spread by violence, but I didn't want to be part of a violent religion uh, because Luigi... You know, he he put me up on game. He was asking me, you know, why am I a Christian? You know, why am I going to be part of the religion and worship the God that um, the people that put my ancestors in slavery um, introduced us to? And that made a lot of sense to me. I mean, you didn't have to um, have a degree in in history to understand where he was coming from. So I, I thought that he made a good point. So I started to challenge other well, this one particular Christian about you know why 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 are we why are we Christian you know and maybe Islam is the is the proper religion for us as Black people so that was my state of mind when I was about thirteen years old so um, I I didn't want to commit all the way because I felt that my mother would whoop my ass she was not into people converting 
Um, at least I don't think she would be open to it at all. You know, it's just that's just how my mom was, and um, also I wasn't sure if it was true that um, Islam was for spread by violence because I knew that Christianity was spread by violence, um, especially when it came to Haitians. So that was pretty pretty much my introduction. Um, Malcolm X um, was a movie that I saw in middle school, and that made a great impression on me because. Um, I really love Malcolm's character. I felt that he was relatable. He was someone that I wanted to pattern myself after as a strong black man. Everything that he did and said made perfect sense to me. Um, so I, was, I wasn't I was sure if I was going to become Muslim, but I knew that I liked what Malcolm had to say. Um, I never knew, I never saw Malcolm as a, a threat or violent or the way that he's been um, portrayed which is why I'm still kind of upset a little bit that he doesn't get the props that he deserves. You know, like everybody is all about Martin Luther King, which Martin Luther King did a lot of positive things, obviously. But I think Malcolm is on the level of Martin, if not higher. But that's perhaps my personal opinion. Um, So for me... Islam didn't um, didn't really uh, uh, you know become an issue until really 9/11 happened about uh, almost what 10 years later 93 yeah about almost 10 years later uh, that's when the the world changed but um, I know James has a little bit of um, I guess. Experience yeah, with I, the uh, have a, w- 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 go ahead. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I've had a, a brief uh, experience with uh, Muslims, and uh, you know, I was I was on my way to being converted and everything. But um, it was right after the whole nine eleven happened, and and for some reason, um, you know, the, the people that I was hanging out with and the, the Muslims that I was hanging out with. Uh, I could tell, like, you know, they kept on saying that they were peaceful and everything, but there was this one brother, that that one dude that just kept on coming around, and he just seemed like, I don't know, it it, it kind of scared me a little bit because the way this dude was talking about, oh, this, the government, this, the government, that, we need to plan and all this other stuff, I was like, bro, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get spiritual guidance. I ain't with all this right here blowing up and talking about this and that. I'm just trying to get, get peace in my mind. And at first, you know, when I first got into it and I studied, I was I was really feeling good about being a Muslim, and I was like, hey, this this could be the religion I feel more at peace. But then once this guy started coming around and started talking all this radical crap, I was like, nah, I'm good, you know. I ain't trying to go all that far and all that there. And then after a while, I just like, you know what? A Muslim just seemed like ain't nothing but Christian to me, and. After a while, and I was just like, I, I just couldn't take it no more. I just didn't want to feel like dealing with it. Okay, so when you met those Muslim brothers, what was the situation? Where were you at in your life as far as, like, I guess you were just a Christian, and uh, Alicia was telling me that she didn't feel satisfied as a Christian. So I don't know if she went looking, but I think just by co- by That's- coincidence, she knew some people that were Muslim. But how did you first come in contact with those those Muslims? Okay, um, they were actually next door neighbors of mine. Oh, you were talking to me or her? I was talking to you, James. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, the original brother that I met, he was a uh, next-door neighbor, and, you know, we had a lot of, a lot in common. We did the music thing. We wrote and rapped mm-hmm. and everything. And we were real cool and everything. And, um, and... At that at that time in my life, I had you know I had already had questions and I was questioning all kind of Christianity and everything. Like, like I told you, I've always had the little thoughts and stuff. It didn't really make sense to me. And when I got to to them, they seemed like they had a lot of answers. And I was that's why I say I started feeling like a lot at peace. Well, a lot of answers that I that were what I thought there were answers or right answers. And um, like I was, I was at that stage when I was just like I was just trying to search and I was trying to find peace in my life because with Christianity there was just so much confusion. Then when I came to the Muslim, I felt kind of, I, I kind of felt like a certain peace. But then you know once I started start seeing the guys around me start getting a little radical and all that, and and I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I, I I I just didn't want to be deal with that. I just wanted peace in my life and some understanding about the meaning of life. You know how people was like, you know, what's the meaning of life and all that. That's that's what I think I was on spiritually or whatever. Mentally, I was on a, a spiritual journey or something. Okay, um, this thing, this word peace comes up very often when talking about uh, religion and when people find a religion, either they just started or they converted, whatever. Can you can you define what peace is and why is Islam telling people that they are the religion of peace? Can you kind of clarify what, what what you mean by that well when i when i say peace um i mean because um i had you know i had death in the family it was it was you know i was very depressed around that time as well now that i look back at it at that time um and like i just said it, it just they just seemed like they had a lot of the answers at the time but then you know and i don't i just felt more I don't know, more of a kinship with them, you know, and it's like I just met these guys, but through how they treating and how they talking and everything, I, they, they're better Muslims than the Christians I've been around. The Christians that I've been around, they just went to church, came home, and, you know, drank, smoked, did whatever. But these Muslims, you know, once once they left the mosque and everything, they came home, they were still the same way. Some of them smoked, some of them drank, you know, but it wasn't, like it's crazy. They and they always seem to be like studying and studying. It was like knowledge, thirsting for knowledge, and that's what I was. That's, that's my mind is like a sponge. I like stuff like that, especially around that time. And it just felt like I was just learning a lot of stuff. And then, I, and then you know, when you once you're in a religion, then you start seeing like uh, I, I keep saying the word radical, but the people that are more passionate about it than you than you would normally be, then they start listening to conspiracy theory tapes and stuff that do imams and stuff like that would make and you know and and uh, and it was just to me it was like you know what this is just, it's crazy I, I liked it first when I first got in it was just, I was just learning but all this extra stuff uh, I'm not cool with that right I think that for most religious people I think religion is mostly about you know behavior not necessarily about intellect um, because you know that's Depending on who you are, like there's a intellectual component to it, but initially it's like emotions and it's consistency, it's brotherhood, it's it's socialization, and um, I can understand that how attractive it could be, especially when you're in a time where you need support, you know, 
and uh, who knows what you might be going through in your personal life. You know, I think we're all human beings, whether you are a believer or you're not a believer. People need to congregate, you know. You, you just never know, you know, what someone is going through. So if you can help them out in any way, you know, you never know what, what effect you can have on their life. And I think that's something that, you know, I know I don't take for granted. Um, and I think we, we've all been there. I know I've had issues in my past as far as, you know, where I was and how, you know, I just happened to be around a person of a certain religious background and they might have made an impression on me as well. So I think uh, that's something that a lot of people could relate to. So, um, you know, the guy that you said was a radical, he started talking reckless or crazy um, because of 9-11. 9-11 was a was a big time in the country, a big, big time in the world. It affected me in a particular way in that, you know, uh, I was in the military. So <laughs> when I signed up, the idea was to get in, get my uh, get my degree, get my school paid for, and get out, you know. It wasn't, uh, you know, because of patriotic endeavors. It wasn't because of anything other than getting you know, my education taken care of. So when 9-11 happened, I was like, wow, you know, like I might have to go do something that I feared, which is go fight in a war, you know. But it took a while for um, the dust to settle, so to speak, until people started figuring out what was going on, who did it, and then <laughs> eventually I found myself mobilized to go, uh, to get ready to potentially go to war and it was a very, very crazy time for me because never in my wildest dream did I think that this was, was going to happen. And at the time, I was a Christian. Um, so um, one of the things that I kept in mind was that, you know, there's the rule that says thou shalt not kill, right? So how are you going to, first of all, join the, the army, you know, um, and then go to war and potentially kill? Uh, kill someone, and then you you might die yourself. And then I always thought about, well, you know, in the the judgment day, if God asked me, you know, like why did you kill that person? If I say, well, I went to war or whatever, at the time I I really was concerned if that was a, an excuse or not. You know what I'm saying? But I was about 20 years old. I was 20. No, I was 22. And so. I was young and I was caught up in this whole thing that was bigger than than me and I was I was in Georgia training to to get ready to go overseas. The war did not start yet and um I figured that since I was I was potentially going to an an Islamic uh land that it'd probably be a good idea that I learn a little bit about Islamic culture and and etc because I probably will get a chance to talk, you know, with a Muslim so I went to the chaplain, and I requested a Quran. And I think they told me that they didn't have any, and they would get back to me. Um, <laughs> my my lieutenant at the time, he came into our barracks. He said, is the enemy here? And I was like, yes. He said, hey, here's the Quran you wanted. And when he said that, everybody kind of stopped. They kind of looked at me. And then he he tossed the book onto my bed, and I remember how it felt like it was everything was going in slow motion because at the time, everything Islam was bad. 
Um, there was a lot of things going on. There were soldiers that were committing acts um, that would happen to be Muslim. So I think that that caused undue, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It gave me un- unwanted attention because I think people thought that I was on my way to converting to being a Muslim, and it, Muslim equals terrorist. And so that was very, very uncomfortable. But I took the book and I put it in my stuff, and eventually I found out that we were indeed going overseas. And so I took it with me, and, uh, yeah, it was a a start of a wild, wild journey. Um, So I want to take the time to let everybody know that they're listening to the Haitian Freethinkers radio show. My name is Reggie. Tonight, right now, I have James and Alicia from the Haitian Free Thinkers. Our group is one of the world's few places where Haitian secular types can gather and exchange ideas. You can find us on Facebook. We have our website up now, HaitianFreeThinkers.org. You can call this show live by dialing 657-383-1619. That's 657-383-1619. If you are unable to catch the show live, you can catch our show on iTunes, it is also available on Stitcher Radio as well as Spreaker. Um, you can download those apps and just, you know, listen up. Or if you need to get in touch with us, you can email us at HaitianFreeThinkers at gmail.com. Also call the call or text the Google voice number, which is 678-820-9474. Once again, that's 678-820-9474. I know it's a lot of information, but it's important to share it. Um, so, um, yeah, so after 9-11, I found myself in uh, the country of Jordan, and I'll let you know a little bit more about that. But, Alicia, do you have any other um, experiences that you want to share? No, I don't. Okay, that's fine. Uh, what about you, James? Reggie. Yes. Hey, did you say when he threw the book on you when he first came in? Did he he asked you uh, is the enemy here or something? No, he he said my my last name is the enemy. Oh, okay. It sounded like you it sounded like you said when he first came in the room. He said is the enemy here? No, no. A lot of people tease me about how they say my name, but he asked for me the enemy, and you know when I said I was here, that he tossed the book and. It was it was a crazy time because um, yeah, because you know you could not be associated with Islam at the time without getting looks of potentially turning into a threat because 9/11 happened and they blamed it on um, Osama bin Laden and Al Qaeda. At the time, I didn't know who these uh, who Al Qaeda was or who Osama bin Laden was really. So that was that was the context of the situation. So. I found myself in Jordan, and once I got there, it was like being on a different planet. The elevation was higher. The sun looked different. Um, I, I'll i never forget the Jordanians because um, they are the most devout Muslims I have ever met until uh, to, to this day. Um, when, we, when we got there, imagine it's like we're getting off a plane. We are at war. Like this is, this is real. And we we were trying to find our where we we're gonna sleep at. They were building camps like twenty four seven. You hear like 
hammers hammering and they were making these um these these uh shelters for us but when it came time to pray everything stopped um and the workers all got together and then they did their salat which is called the prayer uh i've never seen anything i've never seen anything so amazing as far as religious unity and it's still like it has something there's a power to it you know because when i looked at them I looked at them as like aliens from outer space. You know, they're looking at me. I don't know who these people are. I'm looking at them. I don't know who they are. Um, I didn't know if they were um, locals. I didn't know if they were imported workers. It's just that classic um, tension between people from different places. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, talk to them because, you know, that's not what I'm here for. If I did, my natural personality is to inquire about, you know, what it is that they're doing, et cetera, as best as I could, being limited with the language, obviously. So when they were making salat, I was like, this is amazing because in our culture, it's all about the money, right? You don't stop until you're tired. You know, you get your 30-minute break. It's not for religious reasons. But they got their prayers in, and they were united. And then the the, the quiet was amazing. The salat lasted for about five to ten minutes, and then back to the sounds of nonstop building. So that was a um, a big impression that I had um, in Jordan. Now, one of the things that we were briefed about was that once we you know once we landed in Jordan, we have to abide by Jordanian Islamic rules which meant no uh, magazines, no porn magazines, um, no magazines that were anything close to porn. Uh, in other words, no Sports Illustrated, no Maxim, nothing with women with, uh, you know, exposed body parts, not necessarily anything sexual, but we were trying to respect um, their 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 sensitivities. Um but one of the things that I remember noticing was that we still had bacon at the, the, the dining facility. So I was like, I wasn't sure, you know, how consistent bacon? we were going to. Yeah, we had bacon. I mean, they, they must have been, t- like, they moved the boxes with the bacon in it and everything? The bacon was out in the open. It was not a secret. This was not something that I had to whisper at someone and they would bring it out. Um I think that maybe they negotiated that deal as um, as an exception to the rule, but I was very surprised because I was I was afraid um, that anything I might say or do might spark like some passions in the people because the may, the way they made it seem they was like, look, we're going into these people's lands, and you know they're our hosts. And we want to respect their culture and their customs. So, even though we're Americans and we are, we don't, we don't think it's a big deal to read, you know, a Maxim magazine. Please do not bring it. Do not, you know, look at their women. I mean, that was a long list of do not things to do. Right? You're here to do your mission, and nothing else. So, again, I was surprised to find um, bacon at the defect. But again, that was nobody I can be like, hey. I thought we were supposed to respect their culture. I mean, it wasn't that kind of party. I was a soldier. I'm following orders, and I'm just trying to survive. You feel me? But that was something that um, that I'll never forget 
So from there, I eventually found myself into a remote um, outpost. Literally, I was out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And my job was to um, be a security guard for uh, an air defense um, battery, which means that, you know, those missiles that are like in the back of trucks, that uh, they're like in a box of four. So if like the enemy sends a missile, we're, we were protecting the people that send the counter missile to knock down the missile. So, 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 so to keep those people focused on their job, they needed security. So we were their security force. So once we got there, we were doing 12 hour shifts of security. We had these towers made out of wood that we had to stand out there. Sometimes, well, most of the time I did my guard duty by myself and if you can imagine standing 12 hours a day, um, it's cold, and, you know, you don't know if someone's going to shoot uh, like a ninja star in your neck or slice your throat. I mean, I was extremely paranoid about, you know, doing my job and not letting anybody, you know, kill me because you just, you just don't know. Even though I can see over the the berm, you know, we had, we had a big... Um, we had we made a wall out of 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 dirt. You know, so it was, we lived in a giant square, and then in each corner of the of the place was the the towers. So we had twelve hour shifts. So um, I used to stand there and just look and to think and be like, Oh my God, what am I doing here? How did I get here? And it was crazy. And I wanna I wanna bring this up because I made a little checklist. Um, for this show. Before we went to Jordan, I was really surprised about the fact that I even went to war because uh, there was inspectors that were going to Iraq to inspect um, the nuclear program or the weapons of mass destruction because the United States was accusing Iraq and Saddam Hussein of having weapons. And I remember um, some United Nations inspectors went in there to check to make sure whether or not he had them or not. And I remember they kept coming back saying that we we didn't find anything. And I don't know if you guys remember, but President Bush came and made an announcement. He said, like, well, our intelligence agency said that they do have weapons. We don't need anybody's permission to defend ourselves, and then we invaded. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that, but there was a lot of protests that were that. happening. Okay. There was a lot of protests that were happening throughout the world. There was a lot of people in the streets in New York. There was a lot of people in the streets in, in, in Cali- um, California and um, San Francisco. There was people in Australia. It was a worldwide um, outpouring of people saying, please do not go to war. And I was kind of optimistic that um, democracy would win and that the president would have to listen to the people saying, no, we don't want to go to war. But lo and behold, we still find ourselves in uh, in Jordan, and I bring that up to show how my emotions was so um, intense and 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 so um, you know it, it was so tough because you're staring at your potential death, and you know we're talking about nuclear weapon type stuff where it wasn't like whoever shoots the person first wind, you know, it was like someone somewhere else pushes a button and this thing explodes near you and you suffer a painful agonizing death. It was very, very disconcerting to me. 
But that's the reality I found myself in. So when I was in Jordan, um, there was a rumor going around that the Jordanians, um, they would have sex with each other or boys. And they didn't consider that to be, um, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they had sex with, with males for pleasure, and they would and they would have sex with women only to procreate when they get married, and that would they would consider themselves to be like virgins at that time. I don't know if that is true or not because I thought that was pretty, um, frankly, disgusting. But you know, I kept it was it was told to us. This was like a rumor. This was told to us in, in a in a manner of gossip. So I wanted to verify because we we were we worked with some of the Jordanian soldiers, and I couldn't bring myself to ask this one individual that because I I felt that he might feel disrespectful. And sometimes, especially with uh, a lot of Middle Eastern people, you know, honor and those things are very important to them. So I didn't want to offend them, but I really wanted to confirm or deny this rumor. So that's one of the things that I, I remember um, from being in Jordan. And also during that time, I started reading the Quran. You know, so th- so that's a very important time because um, even though I was a fan of Malcolm X, even though I heard about Islam in middle school, I never took the time to read, you know, the the Holy Book of Islam. And I found out that uh, Muhammad, you know, had the relationship with Khadijah, and I thought it was a really wonderful story. It sounded like a positive story. He sounded like a you know a nice guy and. Khadijah sounded like um, a very strong, positive woman. And I was like, wow, you know, if, if this is Islam, then why are we why are we beefing for, you know? So I made it my mission to try to um, find the root of religion. I, at the time, thought that religion was like a tree that if you go back in time, you can find the original religion. And wherever there was that split, I was going to try to somehow understand why the split happened to see who was on the right side, you know. So that was my that was my philosophy and my mindset at the time. And I had time to read because I was out there. Um but, you know, I never had a chance to finish reading the Quran and that's because I gave it to one of the Jordanian soldiers that we were working with as a as a goodwill token. Um so that but at least I started reading it but um you know, I never had a chance to finish at that time. Um, so I, that was the beginning of my my educational um, exploration into Islam. But um, so far, I mean, I had a positive, um, I guess, interaction with Muslims. And also, I wanted to mention this guy. Um, when 9-11 happened, I was working as a security guard as, um, as a, um, at St. Thomas University. So uh, I think he was from Bangladesh or Pakistan. So when 9-11 happened, he was still very calm, and I was like, you know, wow, this is crazy. And the word jihad came up for the first time, you know, and I know what jihad was. So the guy, he explained to me, he was like, you know, jihad just simply means struggle or, like, defense of 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 your religion. And you can do jihad by... Um, Writing, you can do it by speaking. You can do it with your actions. It's not like holy war, like the the press was saying. 
And if you can imagine, you know, Fox, you know, the way Fox is, um, they're talking about Muslims and they're telling the people that uh, Osama bin Laden is declaring jihad on the United States. And this Muslim is telling me that basically the news is, is not telling the truth. Um, and that made an impression on me because having a Muslim tell me directly was better than having the news tell me, if that makes any sense. So I'll never forget I had that. the same experience. Okay, so tell me about your experience. Yeah, like uh, like whenever we'd be sitting down, watching TV or whatever, back when I was, you know, studying or whatever with some guys and learning, and, you know, there'll be like the Fox News or Hamon or something like that after 9-11, and they'll say something, they'll be like, man, that's a lie right there, this, that, and third. They was even telling me back then that, um, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, the one that was supposed to be, who was just talking about him, um, not Saddam Hussein, but um, Osama bin Laden. Yeah, Bin Laden. They was telling me that he wasn't like the head of Al Qaeda. They was just telling me that he was just like a figurehead. He wasn't like that. You know, they was just like put me up on a certain stuff. You know, every time the news would say something, they would be like, "No, nah, I don't believe in that." This, that, and the third, and they'll tell me like certain little other stuff that was going on or stuff that they heard through, I guess, their pipeline. Yeah. So. um People don't, a lot of people don't understand how basically the news could shape their opinions or misguide them or get it wrong or how the news is a lot of, a lot of time gears on entertaining people and is not necessarily um, concerned with like certain things that are true. You know what I'm saying? Like I got a first hand lesson and that, go ahead. Yeah, that's. That's like just like how you said you got a first hand lesson, that's how it was for me like to this day, ever since then I still look at the news or every piece of news with skepticism and then I'll try to figure out, okay, that's what the news is telling me, but what could I figure out? Who could be gaining more from this and that and something like that if something happens in another country? I'm always looking at it in a different way. I'm always coming to my own speculation. I'll listen to what they say, but then I'll try to see, you know, where they could be lying at. Right, and um, I'll I'll give you I'll try to remember to give some specific examples of of why that's important. So um, eventually, around that time, like I said, I gave my Quran away. I started reading it. I stopped. Um, the war started. The United States went to Baghdad and and basically won within a matter of days. So I really thought it was time to go back to the United States, but it wasn't meant to be. Um, on my mother's birthday, I found myself flying to Baghdad, and I found myself in Iraq for the next 10 months or so. And when I got to um, the location that I would spend most of my time in Iraq, I encountered a different type of Muslim. The uh, Muslims in Iraq, in the part of Iraq I was in, they were um, a lot less pious than the Jordanians. So uh, why, the reason why I say that they're a lot less pious is because, like, on the low, they try to sell us porn, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> you know, they they uh, not, not everybody in the population, but, we, we you know, we would do our missions and we'd try to, you know, trade with the locals to buy ice, soda, whatever the case is. And there was times where they try to sell us um, bootleg 
um, porn that I try to sell as bootleg, bootleg movies, bootleg um, computer software, etc. So I know that they know that what they were doing was wrong, but I think that the people that would sell us those things saw us as like barbarians, like brutes, you know, that if they make money off us, it's not their fault that we are dirty, you know, so because we are savages, like we need this this form of entertainment, so it's not their business that, you know, they're just supplying a service, you know what I'm saying? So um, that was one of the things that I'll, I won't forget about the, uh, at least some of the people that, you know, we met over there. But at the same time, I must say I was very, very impressed by the Iraqis, okay? You can imagine your your town is invaded by foreign soldiers, right? You know, you're not involved in politics. They are fighting. There are gunfights almost every night. Bombs are fighting, you know. I mean, your life is in danger all the time. But these people were able to... Um, maintain some sort of orderly life, and it's just really, really amazing. Um, I remember this one particular incident that we were um, doing a basically like a raid in the neighborhood, and I was at somebody's house or near that house. You know, can you imagine? Some there's a soldier outside your door, like 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 on your porch, and there was a woman who brought me uh, a glass of water to drink, and that really touched me. And when she brought me the, the water to drink, it was like, wow, not only did I ask for it, but you don't have to do that. You don't know who I am. Now, I looked at that glass of water, and I remember there was some stuff floating in it. And I said, uh, I don't know if I'll take the chance. So I poured it inside my shirt to cool me off. And then she came back for the cup, and then she saw me pouring it inside my shirt. And I was really embarrassed because it – I, I guess, you know, she might have construed that meant that I didn't trust her or whatever, but I never, never forgot the hospitality of the Iraqi people. So um, if I can impress upon anybody that they're, that's listening to this broadcast or in the future, um, at least the Iraqi people or, or Muslims, I think, I want to say in general, they have this thing with hospitality that I think is almost unmatched. You know, when they meet you, you know, uh, they try to impress you with how good their behavior is. I mean, I think, you know, ultimately it may not be consistent or, or, you know, honest or whatever, but a lot of them take great pride in giving you the best that they have. And um, I never, never forgot that lady. So it was a very positive interaction. Unfortunately, it was in a horrible time. You know, I was a soldier. I could not be a human being to that person. Um, I didn't have the language to express my thank you. So I'll never forget that. So that lady, I'll never forget. And just other positive things about the Iraqi people that I encountered over there was everybody, all the homes had a man. You know, in America, we have, um, you know, basically what is called broken homes, a lot of single parents, a lot of single moms, you know, especially you hear about that all the time. But in Iraq, you know, they're big into family. So there's always a guy there, always a, always a, a mom there. You know, if there's a widow, 
the family gets together, man, they stick together. And I think that's just wonderful, beautiful. They don't have a lot of the things that we have as far as, like, toys and gadgets to keep keep them distracted or whatever. Um, but, you know, I never got the um, feeling that they were poor. You know, I just... I just love the family structure that they have over there, and, and that was extremely impressive to me. Uh, but, again, I could not have a dialogue with them about how I felt about their culture because a lot of times I'm seen as just a soldier, you know. And when we, when we had some downtime and we try to have some exchange of dialogue, I think it was still kind of guarded because at the end of the day, I don't know who that person is. They don't know who I am. I'm struggling to speak Arabic they know a little, little bit of English, and that really, you know, always put us in a really bad disadvantage. But um, I really have a, a lot of respect overall for the Iraqi people over there because, you know, we put them in a very difficult situation. And of course, after I left, um, after I left Iraq, we never found the weapons of mass destruction, and, and obviously, there's still a lot of chaos happening in Iraq because of, of, of all the things that happened um, starting, you know, with 9-11. So, but all those things made an impression on me as far as my interaction with real Muslims. Because you have to remember, before that, you know, the only thing I had was my middle school experience. And then I met the young man in, um, in uh, St. Thomas University. So I'm really working with very limited uh, interaction. So... Yeah, so that's that's uh, that's a little bit of my experience. So, I get, I see your message, um, and I want to remind everybody that they're listening to the Haitian Freethinkers Radio Show. My name is Reggie, and I usually do this show with James. I have Alicia. I think she's still on the line. If you wish to call in, the guest calling number is six five seven three eight three one six one nine. Once again, that's six five seven three eight three. One six one nine tonight. I'm talking about Islam, but more of a personal journey um, from my past on how I've encountered Muslims and my understanding of Islam from back then to what it is now. So, because there's there's been a transgression to what I knew when I thought about Muslims back then and what I think and what I know about Muslims now. So. I encourage you to call in if you can. If you cannot, that's fine. You can email the the Haitian Freethinkers at HaitianFreethinkers at gmail.com. We also have our website that's up now. That's HaitianFreethinkers.org. And, um, yeah, if, you, if you're unable to listen live, you can also um, catch the show on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio if you have an Android. And also I put the show on Spreaker so you can get Spreaker or Stitcher and uh, listen to our show. So right now I'm just talking about my experience um, as a soldier in Iraq and my interaction um, with the Muslims in Iraq as compared to the Muslims in Jordan. Um, from my experience, the two people were different and there were some differences. Um, and uh, But eventually I made my way back to the United States and it was around... Uh, 2003, 2004, that I actually started reading my Bible. And um, if you guys don't know, I'm an atheist. And the number one reason why I'm an atheist is because I actually read my Bible. I was able to complete the whole thing. 
I'm also very proud that I, I can say that I read the entire Quran, but that would come in uh, a few years later. So when I came back to when I came back to the United States, um, Islam wasn't really in the forefront of my thought. But eventually, I would meet a young man by the name of Ryan, who, by working together, um, I found out that he he uh, became Muslim. So, um, you know, I, I befriended him, and he was really excited about Muslim being a Muslim, and he wanted me to um, help him basically help the local neighborhood of this one particular mosque that uh, he belonged to. So. Um, I I said okay sure you know because I I used to talk to him about positive things about helping black people etc. So here he is being motivated as a Muslim and I was like okay let me let me help you out. So when um, I arrived I remember that he was dressed in one of the um, traditional man um, I guess attires for Muslims I forgot the name of it I think it starts with T I'm gonna butcher the name a stall or something like that. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It's the light um, light fabric, cotton-type thing. It buttons up, no collar. So he was rocking that joint, and I was like, dude, you look crazy out in the streets like that, you know what I'm saying? But he was like, yo, I'm Muslim, I'm going to represent, because he felt like, how can you have a, a mosque or a masjid, which I didn't know what a masjid was until, you know, I, I, I met uh, Ryan. So he was like, yo, how can there be a, a a mosque right here and the 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 brothers are not out, you know, helping the local community? So he was all about that stuff, and I was like, fine, I'll, I'll roll with you. So we were out there um, just talking to people, and eventually um, I started to go back to that same mosque, and I eventually spoke to. Um, one of the imams, and for those of you who do not know, an imam is like uh, a pastor in the Christian tradition, uh, a leader, the person that does the sermons. So I, I'll never forget this guy. He was a he was like a short, stubby guy. I want to say he was Egyptian, but he was very jovial, very happy to have um, a person who was interested in learning about Islam. So this guy was telling me some of the classic things that you hear from Muslims when they meet you and they think you don't know anything about Islam. He told me that, you know, Muslims love Jesus, that they they honor all the prophets, etc. They believe in one God, you know, all the classic things that, you know, Muslims tell people, you know, basically kind of like the five pillars of Islam. Uh, all those things I, I basically knew already, so... Um, I was not impressed by that. So what I started learning about at the time was this whole notion that the Quran was the divine word of God, um, that it was perfect, that it had scientific um, value, that it had scientific knowledge that um, Muhammad could not have known. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that I started to kind of learn about from the people that attended the mosque. And I was like, okay, um, I'll, I'll look into it. I, I I didn't think that there was anything to it, but I remember Ryan introduced me to a Haitian Muslim guy at the mosque, 
And uh, he was like, hey, I want you to meet a friend of mine. So I said, okay. So the Haitian guy said, hey, you two are Haitians. Won't you talk about Islam? I'm going to go over there because I think it was around Ramadan. So the Haitian guy was like, well, I'm I'm Haitian. I'm Muslim. I read the Quran. I checked it out. I used to be, I think he said he was a Christian. But anyway, he was like, the Quran is perfect. You know, it has no mistakes. And I was like very um, impressed by this guy's confidence because at that time I've, I was researching the Bible. I think I was still reading it, and I found a lot of problems with the Bible, a lot of mistakes, etc. So for him to make that statement, I was really impressed in that I was intrigued by his confidence, but I didn't have any way to verify if what he was saying was true. So basically that was, you know, what I was working with with that masjid in uh, Sunrise, Florida. So Eventually, I met up with Ryan a few more times, and he was telling me how he was lamenting because he was so motivated as a new Muslim, and he felt like the masjid was not doing enough for the local community. Uh, He would tell me about um, local divisions within the masjid, um, mostly centering around people's nationalities and um, almost like a form of racism within the mosque. Um, And I think it was more so like cultural division between those who are more Arab and those who are, um, I guess, Caribbean and those who are, I guess, African. Because I think people, you know, naturally tend to click up based on things that they have in common. So people are going to stick together with their group. So you still have some of that same kind of click behavior, I guess, in in the masjid. And it turned out that the imam was um, basically doing some 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 um, corrupt stuff in the masjid. So I was like, okay, so here we go again. You know, some of the same issues that uh, excuse me that I encountered in Christianity was again showing up in the the mosque. And so I was just like an outsider looking in. I had no interest in becoming Muslim at the time. Um, I just wanted to learn. I I really was such a big sponge back then. I just loved going out, meeting people of different backgrounds. I ended up going to uh, as many mosques as I could. Um, During those years, I attended um, or I went to a Nation of Islam mosque in Miami, I think it's number 29 or number 7. Um, I attended a few more mosques, but uh, I was just trying to compare and see, you know, what the big deal was about, you know. But I didn't really have an interest in um, becoming Muslim. It was just I was just trying to figure out what's the big deal. Um, and Ryan introduced me to some more of his friends, and they were some again some of the best uh, and most intelligent young men that um, I've ever met, uh, and I still keep in touch with some of those guys. Uh, and those guys, when I tell you, they were so smart. They're so they're so intelligent. They're so and and, and a lot of them seem to be sincere, and, and that that's one of the things that I was looking out for. You know. As I meet these people, you know, a lot of people they'll give you the uh, the good parts of their religion, or they'll give you the positive of of who they are, 
and give you like basically like their front, right? But it's, uh, when you get to know them, you find out that they're inconsistent or they're doing certain things that even they knew were, um, I guess, haram or sinful. But these guys seem to be a little bit more consistent, so I befriended them because at the time, and I think still now, what I try to tell people is, it doesn't matter really, you know, who you are. I mean, if you're a good person, I'm trying to get to know you. If I don't care if you're Muslim, I don't care if you're whatever, um, Christian, um, Hindu, Scientology. I mean, if you have something interesting about you and you're good, I mean, I think we can work it out. So that was my perspective. So I met some really, 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 really good Muslim guys in Broward, Florida. I mean, I, there's no other way to say it. I mean, these guys, they were challenging. We had some awesome discussions, you know, very heated. Um, but it was a few, I guess, months later, um, Ryan was getting a lot more um, serious about his faith. We were at um, Barnes & Noble, and he said to me, you know, um, he's con- I'm concerned about, you, your your attorney, he was concerned that I was going to go to hell. So Ryan says to me that there's an angel on each one of my shoulders recording what I was doing. And I remember looking in his eyes like, you can't be serious that you actually believe this as a grown human being. But he was serious, and his eyes had this, this honesty, this sincerity, like this, almost like a fear, and I was looking at him like, like, no, I'm serious, like, this is BS, you know this, right? But he was like, no, listen, um, I need you to, to to take Islam serious. I'm hereby challenging you to read the Quran. If you're going to critique the, the, um, the religion, at least know the religion, which I thought was a fair challenge, but it was kind of overwhelming because... I was kind of slowly making my way out, out of Christianity, and that took years, you know, of reading, researching, etc. Now I was looking into basically reading this whole new book, and um, I wasn't sure if I had the time, the energy, and the desire to do that, you know, because the Quran is not a, a short book, and... Um, but uh, I ended up agreeing. I said, okay, so I'll I'll do it. I'll read the Quran, and I'll get back to you. So that was the deal that we made. Um, I went away, um, gosh, to do some military training. And I think I started reading the Quran consistently from page one um, for the first time since I was in Iraq around August of 2009. And I ended up finishing it. In um, around March or May of 2010, I'll, I'll never forget the time frame because I was so proud of myself for for finishing this book. It's like wow, you know. Not only by that time I had finished reading the Bible, um, but not only did I finish reading the Bible, it's something that I I never thought was possible. But now I finished reading the Quran. It was like wow, you know. I did the big two. Um, so I was all excited, and I wanted to come back and uh, tell Ryan about all the things that I learned, uh, all the things that um, gave me pause, all the things I liked, 
all the things I didn't like. So I went back to him, and uh, at that time, Ryan was in a specific place in his life where I guess he wasn't trying to hear it because I tried to bring up what I learned and show him why I think the the Quran was flawed and not the perfect book that he thinks it is, and uh, he wasn't trying to hear it. So uh, I never had a chance to have those talks with him. Um, there was another guy who I tried to reach out to to discuss um, what I learned in, in the Quran, but um, it never really happened because a, a lot of our conversations was, was going to have to be over the phone, and I really wanted to do it one-on-one. So I kind of felt angry uh, in a way because I did all this reading, all this homework, and I never had a chance to turn in my homework, so to speak. But I knew that my knowledge would come in into handy, uh, in handy later on. So that's why I am now. I I I, I still have this information. Um, I've learned a lot more since that time. But uh, I I didn't I wasn't impressed by the Quran um, as far as being the work of a God and to be so perfect and, and beautiful. And I'm 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 aware that what I read is a translation of the Quran. I read the Yusuf Ali uh English version and um still it wasn't super impressive. You know, there's some good parts about it but it's just uh, really another book and uh I don't see what people find so fascinating about it. But um but I but I at that time, I think what happened was I I knew too much, and since then I've no I've become a lot more knowledgeable about religion, how the human mind works, the history of religions, why people believe what they believe. Because I became an atheist in August of 2009, and when it comes to religion, I'm sure some of you know already, atheists tend to be the most knowledgeable, the most correct, the most well-studied, just, I mean, I I can get down with an intelligent person anytime. The the atheist crew has it. At least the people that I, I, I um, try to, to get with, know about, discuss things with, just the most knowledgeable about religion, the most knowledgeable about science, um, this, the most well-rounded and that's why I be one of the reasons why I became an atheist. We just know a lot, um, especially about religion. So, James, you're back. Yes, I am. Okay, I know you was on mute in the background, uh, Alicia. I don't know, I don't know if you're still holding on to it, but I've been rambling for the next for the last like thirty minutes or so. Um, please, if you guys have anything to add, let me know because yeah. <laughs> If you, have, you guys Man, have any questions, uh, I, re- I remember the first thing uh, that little rumor you were saying that how you how that what you heard about the men over there, you know, uh, along with other men and how they only use the women just to I guess to have babies and everything. Yeah, I heard that same rumor. I was it was never verified, but the dude he was in the military and that's who he, that's how he 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 learned about it. And he was like, yeah, I was in the military. I I was I used to be over there. And I heard that. I saw that. I was like, oh. Well, I was like, that's um, crazy because in the Quran, they say you're supposed to kill them, right? You're supposed to kill what, the uh, homosexual? Yeah. Um, 
You know, I think that's the case, but I would have to get back to you to verify. Like the Quran and the Bible, they pretty much agree on like 80% of things, uh, really. Uh, it's it's basically, it's, you know, the, the Islam is basically a remix of Christianity with a little bit of, of uh of Judaism and a little bit of the local religion where Muhammad came from. Um so yeah they they're not very they're not pro um homosexuality but I don't remember like a verse that I can say, Oh yeah, go to this chapter and verse and it says right here to kill him, you know? But of course we know today in some places that they make homosexuality a cap uh capital crime and they can kill you for it. So um, all I have to do is Google it and I'm sure I can find the reference that some Muslims might use to 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 um, promote that kind of stuff. But just like with the Catholic Church, you know, the Catholic priests, priests that molest the little boys, if you're having sex with a little boy, you are two things. You are probably a pedophile and you're probably gay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not sure if they had access to little girls if they would, I guess, rate the little girls at a higher rate than the little boys. But as far as I understand it, the Catholic people, the priests, they have access to the boys because it's the boys that do the altar boys. It's the boys that do the um, the choirs. It's the boys that are around the priests. And so the priests have access to their young boys and they have sex with them or they rape them. Um, and they, they probably don't say that it's a gay act. And, of course, they've been covering up the pedophile priests for God knows how long. So I think it's something like that where they don't even consider it to be, I guess, gay because everybody knows that they're against homosexuality. But I have yet, I have not confirmed those rumors. Um, and and I'm not talking about rape. I'm talking about um, people willing to have sex with each other, they are of the same gender. They don't consider homosexuality, and it's like nothing. It's like it's just what they do. It's a casual thing, and um, because I guess they don't have sex with the opposite sex, they don't they don't consider themselves as uh, I guess not being virgin. And uh, again, I don't even know how I would confirm that other than than googling, you know, looking online. But to me, I like to talk to people. Um, and verify, you know. So it could be a, a nasty rumor. I, I'm not sure at this point. Okay. Um, yeah, so Alicia, are you still there? She said she was going to be on hold listening. So uh, this is the Haitian Freethinkers Radio Show. My name is Reggie. Tonight I'm talking about Islam. More specifically, my personal um, journey or relationship with Muslims and Islam in general, this is not something that's like on the factual tip. Uh, it's not about necessarily talking about the tenets of Islam or things of that nature. There's plenty of information out there if you want to find that kind of thing out. Um, I just had my own personal Interaction with uh, Muslims, and I'm talking about my personal uh, history. So, if you wish to call in, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, the guest call in number is six five seven three eight 
657-383-1615. Once again, that's 657-383-1619. Um, I was hoping that one of the guys from Haiti Islamic Dawah would, would call in, but uh, they didn't. They haven't. Um, there's about 44 minutes left on the show, so it'd be great to hear from them if possible. But um, where I last let off, and I'm looking at my checklist, which I've caught up uh, on all the topics that I wanted to to, to to touch base on, was basically I read the Quran, I wasn't impressed by it, and uh, I couldn't share it with the guy that challenged me to to read the Quran because he didn't seem to be interested because I was I was going to tell him why the Quran was not the Word of God, you know. Um. Um, still, still to this day, I try to you know get into it with some knowledgeable Muslims, but you know it's like I find that it's it's very difficult to talk to religious people in general because something that seems to be obvious to me, they have a really good way of telling me that what I'm seeing is not what it is, and it's, it's very frustrating. You know, Christians it's will a not. Dead I'm sorry. I say it's a Jedi mind trick. It's like it's like they they fool themselves so bad that you know what I'm saying they can't see it any other way, and they just try to fool you to see it that way because they don't want to feel stupid. Maybe, but you know, like that's what I encounter the most time. It make me feel like know, it kind of make me feel like I'm wrong or something. Exactly, you know, like um, like just just. The other day, I was watching a, a video on YouTube, and I don't know if you heard about the whole thing with apostasy in Islam, but essentially, the word on the streets is that if you try to leave Islam, they can kill you. I don't know if you heard about that. So, there's this uh, one famous video. I'm sorry? I've, I've never heard that one. Yeah, there's the one. There's this one video that um, Dr. Richard Dawkins was on a show, and I think, and I think it was in England. Richard Dawkins asked this Muslim guy straight up, like, "What is the penalty for apostasy in Islam?" And the way that the guy's face, you should see his reaction. He was stumbling, and he was like, "Well, I think it's clear that it says that if you are an apostate, the penalty is death." Right? So. To to have a Muslim admit that, right, is one thing. But for for you to have a reference is another. I never had the reference until recently and I was watching this uh video and um it was by Sai Tim Atheist. It's a it's a someone that does cartoons of different religious people. And uh they actually gave a reference to one of the hadiths and I don't know if People out there know what a hadith is. A hadith is basically a large collection of different sayings and doings of Prophet Muhammad and his companions, which some Muslims consider to be holy text along with the Quran. And there are some Muslims that only consider the Quran to be the holy text. Um, so you have different types of Muslims out there. No surprises. No surprise there. But so the apostasy rule supposedly came from this passage in the Hadith, and I went and I looked it up, and sure enough, it was there. So 
me not being the way I do things is that um, even though I really for myself, what I try to do is I still try to go to the person and, um, you know, get some confirmation. So I called this um, this hotline a couple of days ago. It's the one eight seven seven Y Islam hotline that uh, they have billboards um, around the, the city that I live in, and they advertise for people to call in, and they're trying to kind of have a, people call in and understand what positive Islam is all about. So I wanted to talk about that. I never got around to it because the person I was talking to didn't seem to know too much about or could not really answer my question because I think, you know, because there were tough questions, it was not just about apostasy, but I was asking them about, you know, ISIS, you know, like basically one of the questions that I asked was, you know, since ISIS is killing other Muslims and ISIS is fighting other Muslim armies like the Kurds, when it's time to pray, do they stop fighting and do they pray? Together, and if they are praying together, like what is what is God doing about it? You know what I'm saying? Like, how can ISIS be twisting scripture? You know, and how come the other guys are not as bad as ISIS? Now, obviously, there's something going on. How come some people are radical and some people? Or not, because both of them are pointing to the Quran or whatever to say, well, this is where I'm getting my inspiration from. Um, I think part of the answer is that, you know, there's contradictions in the Quran. I know Muslims don't like to hear that. I know they will deny it. But a lot of Muslims know that in their cousin religion, Christianity, uh, the Bible has a lot of contradictions. And that's one of the reasons why two people can be claiming different positions on something and they can use the Bible to justify what their belief is or their actions. And so the person I was talking to on the phone, on the hotline, kept saying very basic stuff like, well, just be a good person and don't worry about it. And God has a plan. So I asked them, like, so, so I asked them, like, well, how do I find out what God's plan is for ISIS? Because, and I also asked them, what is God doing about ISIS? If ISIS is taking um, writings out of context, what is God doing about it? You know, so I didn't really get a, a good, clear answer on that. But um, at the end of the day, I think it's the, the Muslims have the same issues as the Christians, you know. They face a critical issue with their writing. I can't think of many Muslims that's going to admit and say, well, yeah, it is It is what it says. If, you know, if we catch you doing this, we're going to, we're going to kill you or we're going to harm you or we are, we are anti-homosexual. I mean, they'll say it, but they're not going to tell you, like, they're going to kill them, you know. And um, whatever is positive about Islam or the Quran is what Muslims will tell you. If it's negative, it's it's other people's jobs to bring it up. And when you bring it up to the Muslims, it's kind of like, oh, no, they're taking it out of context. And uh, so it goes on and on and on and on. You know, they'll tell you that you, you need to read Arabic. Um, you need to read some, some exegesis like the tafsirs. I mean, you, you just have to do so much reading 
until you've basically figured out what their, you know, their perspective. But my thing is, even in the Muslim world, they're still divided. I guess they're not doing their own reading. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's one thing I I, I noticed too. Um, like it only seemed like you know in the Muslim faith because they have so many different tribes like the Sunni and the um, the Shiites and all that. It was like you yeah. have Protestants and then you have Catholics and you know it just and to me I somebody I heard somebody say once a good Christian is nothing but a good Muslim and a good Muslim ain't nothing but a good Christian. Um, well, I I never heard that before, but I. I would say that, you know, a good person is a good person based on their actions. Um, it doesn't matter what you, your beliefs are. It's your actions that make you good. You know, your, your thoughts first, and then your actions. I think, so he was trying really say, I, I think he was trying to say they basically are the same. They just, they just have a different name on them. Okay, okay, yeah, I can I can definitely understand that. Um, but uh, I'm really, really interested and how religious people are able to do their Jedi mind tricks, you know, how they are able to resolve cognitive dissonance in their brain. How is it that they are they, they can look at a verse and tell you in your face that you are wrong? That's amazing to me, and uh, that's so fascinating. You, you know, they're reading it. It says, like, for example, it says, you know, it talks about slavery in the Bible, and they'll tell you it wasn't slavery, it was it was um um indentured servants, you know. Um and so on and so forth. It's really, really amazing. Um but here we go. So like so now Islam is, is, is obviously still making news. When people think of, of of Muslims or Islam they think a lot of people think of terrorist people. Uh, a lot of people are afraid of of Muslims, you know we have the Syrian civil war going on. We have Donald Trump who made those stupid comments about uh, not letting Muslims in, which is horrible. We had that couple that started to shoot people in California. Um, what else is going on in the Islamic world? We had people die in the Hajj that just passed because they got trampled. Uh, and apparently it wasn't the first time that this happened because there's so much of there's so many of them, and I guess it's not really well regulated. Um, and you know, imagine dying on the Hajj, and because of the way the religious people's minds work, they see that, that as a positive. Like, wow, you died on the Hajj as a Muslim. Uh, I don't think that's a positive at all. It's poor planning. God is not taking care of you, and uh, it's preventable. And we can take steps to correct it. You know, you can still go have your 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 Hajj in, in Mecca, but my goodness, if you can avoid unnecessary tragedy, then I think you should. But that's that's me though. Um, what else is going on right now? I think that's pretty much all that I can think of. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's more things out there. Um, I think Yemen is a failed state. Um, uh, Qatar, you know, or Qatar, they came under fire recently because if um, they, um, I think they stole or there was some kind of really shady stuff going on to get the the World Cup for 2020. So I think, um, I think also they their 
being exposed for using essentially slave labor to build the stadiums, et cetera, out there. Uh, I know the United Arab Emirates, um, they have a poor track record for human rights in treating their um, their um, guest workers or whatever because, you know, a lot of those people are um, new money, like because, you know, the oil that, that was found in the Middle East and so now they're able to import workers to do the, all the dirty jobs, et cetera. So um, in Africa, you have Boko Haram who's acting crazy, killing people, doing a lot of stuff. And, um, and of course, uh, in Haiti, Haiti's doing its thing. Uh, the intersection between Islam and Haiti is that I found out recently, about a year ago now, that there's a, a small population of Muslims that are trying to advance the religion out there, and hopefully one day I'm going to have one, at least one member of that group on the show so that they can um, tell us from their perspective why why they are Muslim and Haitian at the same time. Because when I heard the story, I found it to be quite interesting. Uh, again, it's not interesting enough for me to become Muslim in any way, shape, or form, but uh, they find Islam to be fascinating and um, from what I gather, it's pretty much for the same reason why other people find Islam to be fascinating. Um, and if I try to um, do some question and answer, and, you know, some of the things that I know about Islam, I think they're pretty much going to give some of the same excuses. So we'll see. Has there, has there been any uh, Bill Cosby updates at all about what's going on with this case? For Bill Cosby, the last thing that I heard was he got acquitted on at least some of the charges, but um, but basically, you know, he's 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 like he's he's been killed as far as his uh, career is concerned. You know, they took away his star on the Walk of Fame, and they're not going to show his show, even if he were to be acquitted 100%, which I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, he'll never be the same again. I think, I think they say he's he's um, legally blind. I mean, he's not in good shape, so he may he may pass away in the next couple of years. You know, just from all the stress and everything. I mean, um, but I haven't heard too much about Bill Cosby. You know, it's the election cycle. We just had the the um, the Supreme Court judge die, and I didn't know too much about him. They said that he was a conservative person. Um, yeah, Scalia. And, uh, yeah, Anthony Scalia. And I heard something on Facebook about him talking about black people, and it, and it did not sound good at all. So um, if he's racist and, and conservative, then uh, I'm not saying that it's good that he died, but I would be happy if they put a more liberal um judge in his place and I think Obama is going to try to do that before he leaves because I think once they appoint a judge I think they they are there for life so that's one of the uh, the new battles that's brewing out there as far as I know yeah okay um, besides that you know I think it's you know just the same old same old politics Politics, as usual, as they say, you know, the Republicans being dumb, as usual, 
uh, trying to convince the voters that they are more Christian than the other one while they're bickering at each other. It's very, very sad. Um, on the um, on the Democratic side, uh, really, it's between Hillary and Bernie Sanders. Um, I'm I'm more Bernie Sanders than Hillary. I really, I really don't care for Hillary. Um, I don't know. I just she seemed plastic to me. You know, she's just saying what needs to be said. I mean, it's like. She plays the role of a politician that I'm not sure if she knows how to turn it off, you know, and uh, I don't want to hear, you know, pretty answers. I, I want to hear the truth, and uh, sometimes the truth is not nice, so I just want to show that this person is real. So I don't get that impression from uh, Hillary. I, I, I'm more into Bernie Sanders as far as that's concerned, but it's politics and politics. You know, so that's that's the only other thing I know that's going on as far as the news cycle. To me, it's, uh, she seems she seems like she's like okay, um, like I don't know. It seems like she's like the black people, like okay, y'all, I'm here. Okay, y'all vote for me. I know y'all supposed to vote for me. It's like she feels like she's entitled to our vote or something. Like we like we supposed to vote for her, and then also too. Um, I don't know. She just doesn't seem trustworthy, you know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. And then also, too, wasn't she a I think, yeah, uh, she was working for, like, Goldwater or something like that, a Republican back in the day. Like, her her politics is, like, I guess a flip-flop or something. Oh, I I don't know if it was specific. I think she might have flip flopped on on marriage equality, but um, I'm not sure if anything of, of importance to me that she might have flip flopped on. I mean, and you know, you know, the flip flopping thing it sounds bad, but um, you know, once upon a time, Obama was against same-sex marriage, but then he changed his mind. So if the person changed their mind into something that I think is the right thing to do, I can say to but them I that, think, well, you know, they... I, I, I think not him or, like, his uh, chief of staff or somebody like that actually came out and was like he was always for it. But at the beginning, he had to be against it so the Republicans wouldn't, you know, try to stop him before he had a chance to try to put a bill or something in it was like a political move for him to say he wasn't really, like, you know, that he changed his mind on it, like, at the beginning, oh, I'm not for it, you know, it's up to the states and all this right here. But then, you know, as soon as the second time comes in, he, you know, he can go ahead and push a lot of things through. Um, again, I, I'm not I'm not too sure. I would have to, to look into that. But um, we'll find out what's going to happen in November. You know, we're going to have the primaries coming up. I mean, the uh, the nominations eventually, the final nominations for the two parties. And then there's going to be, you know, when they pick their vice president um, nominees. And between now and then, I think there's going to be a lot of big news stories that's going to happen, including, I think, um, there's going to, I think Obama's going to really, 
push hard for the nomination, if not get the nomination for the judge. And I think it's going to be a liberal judge. I think the Republicans are going to go crazy over it. And um, that's going to be a big, big deal. Um, I think there's going to be some some more big-scale, like, um, things happening in the world that's going to challenge the American president to respond whether they're going to, you know, respond with force or diplomacy. I think that if Donald Trump, for some reason, becomes president of the United States, I think it's going to be a a really bad thing, a really horrible thing. I think that um, by his behavior now, he only listens to yes people. I don't think he he strikes me as a type of person who would hire someone who's an expert in in a field that might tell him that, no, you're wrong, you know. If he doesn't like you, he'll just say that. Oh, what did he say to the lady that that she's unfair or something like that, and she did not want to be interviewed by him. I mean, it's it's really it's really like turning into a uh, a sad show, like a reality show, and um, it's really sad. I, at least on the Republican side, I'm not sure if it's too much better on the on the Democratic side, but. Um, it's really sad. Yeah, it's like a side show on the Republican side. Uh, but I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, we get someone that's slightly competent about doing this job because the job is very uh, important. Uh, I know that it's not just a one-person show. Uh, I know the Congress is going to be. Um, important as well, and so it is what it is. Uh, the time is now, let me see, 20, uh, 11.07. So I looked at my checklist, and I was able to cover pretty much everything that I needed to. Uh, I We had two callers, well, one caller, um, because you're the co-host, Alicia, and I think she's still on listening. Um, you gave a little bit of your a story with Islam, and um, at the end of the day, if you had to explain to people one more time why you are not Muslim right now, well, how would you express that? Man, um, it's basically the same way I feel about Christianity. Like, like I, I could believe the Quran is way more outrageous to me from the little parts that I read compared to the Bible. You know, so it was like if I couldn't if I couldn't go along with the Bible, I think, hell no, I couldn't go with the Quran. Okay, so there you go. Um, all right, so with that, uh, unless there's anything else, I think we could wrap up this show. Um, any last thoughts? No, not a lot for me. All right, beautiful. All right, so this has been the Haitian Freethinkers Radio Show. Uh, My name is Reggie. That's James, my co-host. Thank you for joining us. Again, if you wish to uh, call in live next time, you can save the number because it's always going to be the same, 657-383-1619. Once again, that's 657-383-19. I'm going to try to get some more fabulous guests on this show. Um, We have at least one person lined up. Uh, We just have to think the time. Also, I want to do a show on 
on ab- ab- abortion um and uh because there's a plain planned parenthood office not too far from my house. I saw uh some people protesting them and I think they were religious Christian um and I really for the life of me don't understand how you could be Christian and pro life if your Bible is not pro life, your God is not pro life, your God kills kids all the time. I mean according to the to the book it's it's really strange. But again, religious people have strange ways of looking at the world and I find looking at their perspective to be very, very fascinating. Unfortunately sometimes it's tragic because it has real life real life consequences. Um but you know, we do our part to try to share the information. Hopefully you can see um the secular perspective um and we look forward to hearing from you. If you want to listen to this show uh at, at it's in its recorded format you can get the show on iTunes, you can listen to it on speaker on the speaker uh, app or on Stitcher if you have uh, Android phones um and yeah, that's pretty much it. So thank you for your time. I'll see you next week and have a good night.